Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Carol. Hi, I'm Carol. I'm a compulsive overeater. And it's cold. I'm a cold compulsive overeater. I was in Alaska doing a retreat, and it's colder, it seems like. Anyway, <coughs> I digress. Um, pass around pictures so you can see the physical ramifications of the body, on the body that my disease did. Um, to qualify, my top weight is somewhere around 325 pounds. And I have uh, 39 years of abstinence. So um, I always like, <clears throat> I, I like to put out there that I'm an opinionated old timer. So if I start spousing opinions, you know, go, just a lot. Just it is what it is. I told you, you know. Um, and those of you who are new or returnees, um, I, I got 39 years because I just kept breathing and I didn't pick up. I mean that that that's what it comes down to. Right. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm a hopeless compulsive overeater. I'm I'm an addict. Uh, uh, the drug of choice for me is donuts. Um, uh, actually, sweet rolls, not donuts. I don't pay for holes in my food. Um, <laughs> it's true. I mean, when I'm a, when I'm in my disease, I, I, I never like Swiss cheese because it was it was half eaten. Um, that that's the type of compulsive reader I am. I um I I used food as a drug from a very early age. Um, I discovered fudgesicle at age four. Um, I was shipped out to California from Oklahoma City um, because my parents were getting a divorce, and I wound up with an Oklahoma accent in Southern California, and I was different. And my nephew had had the I mean my cousin has the same birthday as I do except for one day. And he w- he was celebrating his fifth birthday. I celebrated my fifth birthday. He knew all the all the kids were there for him. No one knew me, which t- enforces the different then. Then went back to Cal- back to Oklahoma City, and once again um, was a fish out of water because all of a sudden there I am with a di- with a family changed. Um, I come from this alcoholic family. The, the disease is rampant in my family. Rampant. Um, Heroin addiction, uh, spending, um, sexual addiction. Um, the my oldest brother is an overachiever, dean of science. Um, has to get up at four o'clock in the morning to work out. Um, uh, you know, um, that's just we all found ways to escape the house. That was our main goal, was to escape home, right? So. I discovered, like I said, I discovered fudgesicles at an early age. And what fudgesicles did is it made life go away. It made, like, I could breathe. I mean, that literally was when I got my food, I could breathe. Even got to the point where as I got older, if I bought my food and had it in the car with me, I didn't just have to eat it right then and there. I just knew I had my comfort. I had my source of comfort. And, uh, you know, growing up fat, you can see these pictures of me. These are high school pictures. I don't have any um, fat adult pictures. 
Um, I, I've never been a sad adult. Um, that's because after 30, I'm, I'm 62, so 39 years of absence, you can't do the math. I came in the first time when I was uh, 17, because um, was, life was hell. And I was, I was being berated by my stepfather. I was called Terrell the Barrel, don't go too, too near Niagara Falls. Nowadays, we call it, I was bullied. Um, and then I would come home from being bullied at school. And uh, I would clean the, clean the house thinking that if I cleaned the house, then maybe my parents would stop drinking and fighting, and maybe that would solve the problem. And then I would, if I was just a good enough boy, then I could disappear. And I wanted to disappear. That was, I, I just didn't want to be here. Um, my life was about like being smaller and smaller and smaller. And the way I became smaller and smaller and smaller is got bigger and bigger and bigger, which is, you know, it seems strange. But that, the more I ate, the more I became quiet. The more I ate, the more I was able to retreat into my own world. And that's what I wanted because it was, you know, our big book says that we're sensitive people, you know. Um, and we are, you know. Everyone in this room is too sensitive. Everyone in this room is, is petty. Everyone in this room is, gets jealous at the drop of a hat. Everyone here in this room, their feelings get hurt very easily. Very easily. <laughs> Everyone in this room is thinking that it's about them. That's true. That's, that's who we are as compulsive readers. You know? And so, so I, I, I did the, I ate. God, did I eat, you know? And I ate the best I could. If I was probably out my own, I probably weighed four or five hundred pounds. Um, but when you're in a home with your parents, and you've got another, my brother, who's a compulsive overeater, slicing off the little pe- slice of cake and eating the ice cream too, there's two compulsive readers attacking it. My stepfather, who was not a was not a compulsive reader, would go back like I was sick two weeks later and go, "What the ice cream?" You're going like, why don't we what happened to the ice cream? He got ate by two compulsive reader sons that are, you know, they're sitting there taking their turns at the food. Uh, my drug of, my food of choice was a dried spaghetti because it was never counted. Um, so what happened? So I came in over his house when I was 17 years old. Um, I, I, at my first meeting, the most amazing thing, thing happened to me. Um, I, heard, I heard this man say he lost 100 pounds. And what it gave is it gave me hope. Now, a 17-year-old boy that's hopeless is a sad thing. But that's what I was. Like I said, I was bullied in school. I didn't have the emotional support. I, didn't, I couldn't come home being bullied from school and go to my parents for emotional support. Right? That, that wasn't, those weren't the tools that I was given. I was given the tools of, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Don't tell the neighbors everything you know. You know that the devil gets the hindmost. You've got to have backbone. Those are the tools I learned. Not, like, son, what's going on with you? You know, what it, what's happening with you? So, so, so I didn't think I was ever going to be thin, and so I went to my first meeting. This man said he lost 100 pounds, and I believed him. Then he talked about God. I had tried that asshole, right? I mean, I was raised religious, and I 
I used to pray every night, God, please, when I wake up, let me be thin. God, please have my, stop, my parents stop drinking and fighting. And I'd wake up the same way I, woke, I went to bed as. And my parents still drank and fought. Right? So why, why would I do this thing with this? Like, why would I even go there? Like, you know, I, I got the gig. And I knew the reason why I can't go this asshole, and the reason why God was being an asshole to me, see, I heard God was loving. I also heard God was punishing, but I heard God was loving. I heard all this, you know, was because I had deep, dark secrets, and I'm, I'm broken, and I'm horrible, and I'm the most god-awful person in the world. And so God is punishing me with this, with this weight and punishing my alcoholic parents. So that's the reason why I can't go this asshole, because I, he's punishing me. Now, if you've got a hard time with step three, maybe you might look at that, right? Like, well, why have you got that asshole? Right? I don't know if that's cussing. I was told not to cuss. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll try not to use the F word. I can't promise about the S word, but I, I can promise I'll try not to use the F word. Um, so, um, um, so I, I can't I can't do step I can't do step two three yeah you know step four means I had to tell people my deep dark secrets and no I couldn't do that my deep dark secret was that I was gay and I knew it from a very early childhood from as long as I could and they started out just want to play cowboys right but as I as I went through mature or puberty then it was like oh no there's other things I'm just playing cowboy. Um, and so I, I, I couldn't I do the fourth step. I, I, I couldn't work a program. But she offered me this gray sheet of paper. Out of this gray sheet of paper um, was a food plan. And so I took that gray sheet of paper, and I lost 125 pounds in about, or about 150 pounds in probably about six months, you know? Because I'm a 17-year-old boy. I went from binging to eating two eggs and an orange for breakfast. Guess what? <laughs> you know, and I was working on a shipping and loading dock. You know what? You eat less calories and you burn more calories? <laughs> Something's going to happen. I mean, you know, everyone in this room, or when you, you know, because you're a composer, you want to be a freak of nature, right? You want to be able to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and not gain a pound, right? That's, that's, that's our quest. That's our impossible dream, right? To dream the impossible dream that one day I will be able to eat anything I want and not gain. Right, and so, um, so I took, so I, I, I was eating less calories. You know that oh, that thing we hate. Oh, here's another thing we all hate. Your body's like a furnace, right? The, what you don't burn, it will store. Screw that, right? I mean, like, like I don't want to hear that. Because once again, that, that's like a normal person's perspective about food that says, oh, I'm using this, this food here for nourishment. And also, if it tastes good, it's a bonus box. But yeah, I'm using it for nourishment. You know, I'm kind of feeling like, like I need to get some food in me. Like, we are like, hey, uh, I don't know. It's just, I, I need food in me. But I don't know why. I just need food in me. Like, just give me some more food. Just give me some more. Because that's what we do. We're compulsive overeaters. Just give me more food. So... So that for, for us to start talking about calories and all that stuff and let's take away your food and eat less, hell no. We ain't going to do that. 
because we're using food for something else. We're not using it for nourishment. If we just talk about nourishment, we can all cut back on the food and look at a nice, healthy food plan and go like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, and I'm going to have that much, and it's me like, oh, perfect. No, we use food for other reasons. We use food because it makes us feel good, because it takes us out of our body, because it makes us stupid, because it makes us numb, it makes us dumb. It makes us like so we don't want to be here on the planet, and then we escape out. That's why we use food. And now, why would you take that away from yourself if you've been using it for so long? Now, everything that we, t- we see says, hey, it's, it's not working. Hey, I'm 400 or 325 pounds. It ain't working. Okay. It's still working for me because it's still the only thing I know to use. So I went to my first meeting and I got the food plan and I lost, um, like I said, 150 pounds. And I didn't need you people. I didn't need a resonomics. I'm 17 years old. I don't know. I mean, for teenagers who come in and get over-resonomics over and start working the steps, God bless them. Because, I mean, I still had to, I, I was still had things to do, right? I'm still thinking it's not me, it's them. Which now I realize that's the compulsive reader going like, ain't my problem. No. If you people would understand me better, if the world would just understand, if the world would just treat me right, if people just knew who I would, then the, everything would be fine. But you're the problem. You're, you just don't get me. If you got me, then you would be more loving to me. You'd be more appreciative of me. You would come up to me and go like, Terrell, I love you. I love you. I love you, Terrell. I love you. I love you, Terrell. Really, Terrell, I love you. I want to let you know how much I love you. I love you, Terrell. And I need you. I need you in my life. Terrell, I want you. I need you, Terrell. Because that's, the, that's what we're striving for, that, that type of love that's like, like, so needy, right? So needy. But that's, you know, and the way we express that, that need for love, we'll go, like, get the hell out of my life. Go, 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 right? Or come here, 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 stay right, right here, right here, right? So I maintained my weight at 160 pounds. Uh, on the donut diet, which is anything all like all day long except eat nine or ten donuts at night on the way home from the discotheque. You know, that's what I did. It was the seventies, um, and I would go out, I would go dancing, and I mean, I would be in the corner, afraid to move my little finger in a dark, crowded discotheque, because I knew that someone someone would walk up and say, "Fat boy, what are you doing here? Look at you, you're too fat, you're too ugly. Go home." I got news for you. At 160 pounds, there's a picture of me on a boat. That's my fin, and I'm as fat as ever here, right? And and I'm listen. I'm not ugly. I I haven't been ugly. I mean, as long as since I've been an adult. But I'm but I was afraid to move my little hand because I knew that someone walked up to me and go like, "Look at you. You did it all wrong." So I'd stop and deal, to deal with all this horrible rejection I felt at the discotheque, I would stop and get nine or ten donuts on the way home, right? Never a dozen, because you order a dozen donuts, it makes you a compulsive overeater. So you eat nine or ten, right? You get nine. We all have those rules, right? I didn't do that. Or if I did this. Well, you know, I never puked to get rid of food. Like, well, because I didn't want to, right? It's not because it wasn't like, oh, let me try that path. If I discovered puking and discovered that that was, you know, like, oh, my God, I think I found a solution, I would have done the solution. I just never did the solution. I never thought that was a solution. But I did discover the, the wonderful world of not eating. Because you folks said the first time around in Nobody's Anonymous, 
Because the first time around, I was, I was going to a meeting a week just for moral support. You want ever just show up to meetings once a week for moral support? <laughs> and not really think they're going to work, you know, they need to work a program, but it feels good to go to meetings and hear people talk and just kind of share a little bit. And then you kind of go, like, okay, thank you very much, and I'm out the door. And then you go wind up binging, you're like, what happened? Well, what happened is you don't, you don't work a 12-step program. You could do a lovely meeting visit. Yes, we all love meet, lovely meeting visits. I call that being a tourist. So the first time around, I was a tourist. I just stopped by at Ober's Anonymous, and I got weight loss. Well, I got what I wanted, right? So who needs that other stuff? But I did hear one thing, and it said, Charles, you said, it's not the uh, 100th bite that puts the weight on, it's the first. So I discovered you don't take that first bite all day long. You're safe from food, right? Safe from food. Now, I know people are, I see people are shaking their weight, you know, nodding their head. You say that to a normal person, like you're safe from food? They'll look at you like, what? What? What do you mean safe from food? Anyone know I got the idea of safe from food? Right? Where you set stuff up so you're safe from food? Because we know, once you get that little bit of knowledge, once you start, you don't know. Right? Now, we'll delude ourselves and go like, oh, yeah, this time, no, not this. This time's different. This time, that hot stove's not going to burn me. I just know it. That this time's going to be different. You know? And that's the problem. Once we start a binge, we never know when it's going to end. Now, I love this. I, I said this once at a retreat somewhere, and this gal raised her hand and said, no. I always knew when the binge was going to end. I said, you did? She said, yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> right? That's when our binge is going to end. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So, so what happened was I was maintaining my weight at 160 pounds on the donut dying, being crazy because, you know, being afraid of everything and, and just, you know, dying on the inside. But I was thin, wearing small shirts, which, this, this, you know, the seam was up to here, wearing a size eight and a half shoe, even though I'm a size 10 and a half, because I've got to be small. Small is well, small is thin. Thin is good. Everything is about being thin because once if I'm just thin enough, then everything's fine and we don't have to worry about any of the other stuff, right? Anyone understand that concept? If you just could lose another 10 pounds, then, then people will love me. Then I'll, I love myself. Then I'll be comfortable in my own skin. Then I, I, I will just be able to walk on the planet breathing easily. Just 10 more pounds. Maybe 15, maybe 20. But if I can just lose a little bit more weight, then that's the solution to my problem. My problem is I'm fat. The solution to my problem is I'm thin. So, what happened? I wound up um, going to Europe. Um, well, before I went to Europe... I was being fitted for contact lenses, and the, my eye doctor, the one who operated my eyes, so he was like a full-fledged eye doctor, was trying to me for contact lenses, he couldn't get my prescription right. So after several visits to the office, back then it was like, this was like the late 70s, so you literally had, they'd take your prescription, they would send out for them, then they would send them back, you'd come back like a week or two later, fit them, and so after two, three visits of, of like, one week, two week gap. My prescription being all the board. He couldn't get my prescription right. Now he was a, he was a you know good doctor. So he said, Cheryl, is there a history of hypoglycemia or diabetes in your family? I said yes. He said, Cheryl, are you eating sugar? What would you do? 
What would you say? Let someone ask you that, that stupid, silly question. That would just go right to your heart, right? I mean, that's, questions like that attack our very being. So the only thing we know what to do, right, is to lie. Right? That's what we do. When people ask us about our food, we lie because we are not comfortable with our own food because we know we are broken there. So I lied. I said a little. <laughs> because I'm eating nine or ten donuts at night, right? That's not a lot of sugar. I want you to understand that. A lot of sugar, for, in my perspective, is when I start, to start doing the chemistry test, the chemistry work, which is like I ate too much sugar, so I'm getting kind of amped up, so I got, I got to do something to bring it down, so I'm going to get some protein in me, so I'm going to go drink some milk, and then I, I want to get enough milk in me, I can get, eat some more of my seized chocolate, so I, get, I can get that, but then I'm kind of overshot with the, with the chocolate, so I got to come back with the more protein and milk. You know what I mean? By organized, like, chemistry. So I get that, you know. I mean, that's why I'm a donut junkie, right? I'm a donut junkie because... In, in, uh, in uh, drug addict circles, it's called a speed ball. You take heroin and you take crystal meth and you mix them together. First time I heard this, I said, why would you do that? That's two opposite ends of the spectrum. This addict said, no, it makes you level. Makes you, hmm. So sugar gets me too amped up. Flour makes me lethargic. All I just want to do is just take naps if I eat a loaf of bread. Because I don't want to eat a slice of bread means. So then I go like, so then it's like if I can take two of them and put them together and throw in some hot grease, pull it out, put a little bit more sugar on it, we're talking. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Like it just stops. You just, like I take a bite of it and it stops. I get that warm glow. Right? You know that warm glow? Anyone ever had a warm glow when you get that first bite? Yeah. Our literature says, don't think about that. Think about how that happens after that. So what happened was, um, so he said, Terrell, if you do not, do not stop eating sugar, be blind within a year from either diabetes or, hypo, or hypoglycemia. I then put on 30 pounds in six weeks in Europe, binging my way through Europe. And that's nothing I knew what to do because I was out alone. I was in total fear. I didn't know what to do. All I, can, all I knew was to go back to my old friend of food, and I ate my sugar. And as I was binging my way through Europe, I remember thinking, I can still see. When things start to go gray, that's when I'll stop. And that is where this disease will take me. So if you don't think it's a disease concept, go eat some more. And try to stop. Right? Go eat some more. Because it says in our literature, John Barleycorn's our best advocate. There is nothing I can say that can convince you that you're a compulsive overeater unless you've been bitten or been, like, been beaten up. Now, I can tell you my experience. I can tell you my story. Just say, oh, you didn't try that yet? You haven't tried, you didn't, went, didn't say out loud in your head? If I don't, well, you know, once I, my, my eyesight starts to go, then I'll stop eating sugar. You don't go like, well, you know, I didn't eat nine or I didn't eat a dozen donuts. I'm not a compulsive overeater. Well, I'm not 300 pounds yet, so I, I can still get handle this stuff. Yeah, oh, I've still got my job, but I may be underemployed because my boss doesn't appreciate me and understand me. I mean, they have all my coworkers, like, they just don't get it. You know, I'm being so nice to them. Why do they understand me? I'm being, I, do much I have sacrifice for this job? And they're not signing up being appreciative. 
Right? That's who we are as compulsory disease. That's who we are in our disease. What this program is about is it's a program for living. It changes the way we think. So I had to come back to Rizanonymous Anonymous and let go of old ways and old ideas. I had to change. So I came back to Rizanonymous Anonymous in 1978 in this fall after being in Europe. And I got absent. I got a sponsor. I would start working the program. I was going to meetings. And then I went to my sponsor in December of 1978 and said, you know, Paul, I'm sick and tired of getting these rooms full of fat-ass people. I'm sick and tired of being told what I can and cannot eat, what I can and cannot eat. I want to be out dancing with boys in Palm Springs on a Friday night. I want to be spending some damn meeting at Cedar sinai Hospital. And I'm done. I had lost my weight. I was back to, uh, you know, my, to my goal weight. And well, I didn't need you people anymore. Do you understand? I don't want to be a compulsive overeater. To this day, I do not want to be a compulsive overeater. I could find spiritual growth other ways. I could find peace and contentment and meditation other ways. <coughs> but as I've been told many times, if you want fair, go to Pasadena. You, want, you don't come to Overs Anonymous to, save your, to be social, to be friendly. You came here to save your ass. Hopefully that's not cussing either. Um, and that, that literally means that I am here because if I don't, I will die. Food was going to kill me. You folks told me when I came in, to eat is to die. To eat is to die. I said, oh, I no, I just, I just came back from a binge, and I'm not, no. To eat is to die. First the, first the spirit goes, then the body goes. And you will die from this disease. Now, it's a serious disease that would be slower than normal. It means that you will be a little nick at a time. But that each one of those nicks hurts. And sooner or later, those nicks don't hurt as much. But you're still bleeding to death. So this disease will kill you. This is a deadly disease. If you do not believe it, look around you. Pick up the newspapers. Anyway... I'm a little preachy to that. I don't know why, but so be it, you know. Um, so, on January 5th, 1979, I broke my absence on two pieces of toast. And that's my last binge. Because um, when I ate those two pieces of toast, I saw the donut stand. I was going to go get my donuts. It was a new donut stand. I'd never been to that donut stand before, but I knew the, do- I knew the donut stand. It was pink inside. It had that warm glow that donut stands have. And I knew there was an old woman in there working behind the counter who was be like my grandmother's love. And I got scared. Because you folks said the door will always swing out. We never know if the door will swing back in. And so one more time I had stepped out and did not know if I could get abstinent again. So I, I went to bed and I started crying. And I said, God, please help me. I cannot do this one more time. I cannot do this one more time. Please help me. Now, on January 6, 1979, I got up and been absent ever since. My absence is no sugar and no flour. And, it ha- and for the first 18-something years, it was three meals a day, nothing in between. This is, for me, the, what I meant when I said I cannot do it one more time. It wasn't about weight gain. I maintained my weight at the do- with the donut diet. And God bless the newcomers, because this newcomer came to me once and said, Terrell, if the, if, the, 
If the donut diet worked, why'd you stop? <laughs> and let me tell you a reason why I stopped, that donut diet stopped. It's because, it, because it was beating me up. I was hating myself in constant fear of what you thought of me. And I needed to die. And I continued to eat my donuts so I would die. Because that's what I was trying to do. I was killing myself slowly. When people ask me what my absence is today, it's like I don't kill myself with sugar or flour. Right? I don't kill myself with sugar or flour. Um, so now, this program has to rework the way I thought. You know, and I, I'm really now into this, the, the, the term program. Because, you know, sometimes you can say, well, we're going to program you, your brain, your brainwashing. But really what this is about is this is a program for living and like how do I live my life today so I'm comfortable in my own skin so I don't want to go eat. Because when I'm uncomfortable in my own skin, I'm a compulsive overeater. I will want to eat. That's who we are. That's who I am. When I am in, uncomfortable, I want to eat. I will seek excess food. I will seek, seek food that we call it comfort food. And it's the funny thing about comfort food for us compulsive readers. It's not comfortable for us. If you're car- allergic to carbohydrates and you think, oh, I'm going to have some comfort food, you get too many carbohydrates in your system, you start hating yourself. Because as compulsive readers, we hate ourselves when we eat too much. We don't have that little thing that goes like, oh, I, I ate too much, I should probably stop. And move on with our lives. We have that, that thing that goes like, oh, I ate too much. Oh, my God, I hate myself. I'm a horrible, like, oh, gee, I'm, I'm never going to get married. I'm just going to be like, right? I mean, that's where we go, right? Like, we go like, oh, my God. You know, one thing about, about 39 years of sponsoring, whoa. <laughs> what? What? I mean, like, jeez, what we think, what we as compulsors think is insane, right? I mean, I'd love to do this little thing when, I, like, I had you been for these week long, weekend long retreats, and and one of the sessions I have is stinking thinking. Let's put out what stinking thinking is, and people go like. Well, that's thinking, thinking. Well, it only makes sense that, you know, that they should be doing this, right? I was told by my sponsor, you can never say the phrase, if it was me, I would have, or I would, right? If it was me, I would call me. If it was me, I would have shown up there. If it was me, I, can't, I, I, I don't get to use that phrase because you know what? That phrase is dangerous for me because that phrase makes me want to go eat donuts. I know that's kind of strange. A simple little phrase like that would make me want to eat donuts. But no, that's what I am as a compulsive overeater. This program is meant to rewire my thinking. If you're not willing to have your thinking rewired, go eat. Until you're willing to come back and change. Because that's what this program means, willingness. Not just willing to be thin. Not just willing to put the fork down. Willing to change. To change my belief systems. To change my thoughts. Because if I don't, that same thoughts and beliefs that led me to go eat donuts is going to lead me to donuts again. So I had to come in and change my beliefs and thoughts. Like, why don't you love me enough? What about me and my needs? My needs to be taken care of. 
You know, I gotta love myself before I can love others. Those crazy thoughts. No, I show up in the meetings and I start loving you, and next thing I know, I'm in love. I mean, I'm loving. Yeah. This program has, has changed my attitude about financial security. You know, it's like it's changed my attitude about what is important in life. One a person very, very dear to me who was in program said that she wanted to be remembered for the, as the old lady down the street that flew the kites with the neighbor kids. Now, isn't that an amazing thought to, as opposed to, like, well, how much money did she make when she was, when she was making, you know, how much money was her retirement plan? No, she wanted to remember as the, as the old lady down the street that pl- pl- flied kites with the kids. That's what I want. Funny, I'm very financially secure. Because it's whenever I try to achieve something, it seems to go away. Because I'm trying to control, manipulate, and so forth. That's the reason why, here comes an opinion, visualizations for compulsive overeaters is nothing but trouble on your hands. Because if you're trying to visualize something, guess what? Let go. Let go. Let go and let God, right? I mean, as opposed to like, okay, I'm going to make this, I'm going to do, I'm going to make this happen. No, we, you try to control, manipulate life for how long? And why do you do? Got you in a room of ovaries and anonymous. Isn't that lovely? Right? And if you work hard enough you, and you become like, you know, I don't know, stick, stick around long enough, you might become the king of OA, right? <laughs> you go out there and tell those people, hey, I'm a big shot in ovaries and anonymous. They're going, really? <laughs> oh. That's great. So, like, you're, you're, you're in a room full of fat people talking about your problems and you're important there? Okay. Whatever floats your boat, right? Yeah, because you know what? People, like, put me up on a pedestal. I don't care. Like, you know what? I was told for every Palm Sunday there's a crucifixion, right? I was told that very, I tried being a guru once and then you killed me, right? I mean, so... Y'all can just keep that shit because it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Anyway, um, so I should talk about God, right? Because God is what this program is based upon. Anyone have a problem with God? Anyone have an issue with God? Anyone have a hard time understanding what God is? Anyone here, like, think when they think about God, they're like, what? What is that? Well, I've been a, I've. I've been in situations where I knew exactly what God was, and I could tell you what God was. I've been in situations where I didn't know what God was. I've been in, all over the board with God. The, the wonderful thing about that is I wound up being an atheist, working a fabulous 12-step program. I know, it seems kind of strange. How can you be an atheist and work a 12-step program? Look, there's God all over that. Well, I became an atheist after, I don't know, 20, maybe 30-something years of abstinence. So I knew there was something, something different, right? So that tells me that not only is it just a higher power, maybe it's the program, maybe it's the steps, maybe, maybe it's the tools, maybe it's meetings, maybe it's fellowship, maybe it's cognitive therapy, maybe it's talking it out, maybe it's like saying, like, okay, I'm not going to mouth out, mouth off to them because, you know, they hurt my feelings, and maybe it's because I'm not going to over-sulk in the corner because they hurt my feelings, that I'm going to stand up here and be, and, because you folks should tell me this is the way you behave. Right? I was told, like, you know, baby, we don't behave like that in this program. Oh, no, 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 baby, you don't, no, you don't do, you don't behave like that. You don't get to go cheat, steal, manipulate. You don't get to go, you know, philandering. You don't get to go sleep with other people's uh, husbands. Nope, don't get to do that. 
Well, why not? It sounds like fun. I want to do it. Nope. <laughs> Go ahead and do it. We want to pay the price? There's, there's a dozen donuts waiting for you. Really, there's a dozen donuts waiting for me anytime I go back to them. I've got enough cash. I can go anywhere. I'd love to say, I've got American Express. I can buy donuts in every, t- every country there is, probably. Right? Well, at least for, uh, I can buy enough donuts. Well, let's just say that I can buy donuts in every city in Los Angeles, in Southern California. Right? Tonight. Tonight. Because, you know, we didn't, when we get on a mission like that, we can do that. Right? We're like, don't, don't, don't give me that, like, and then it's like, oh, this thing's too far because i got to go through Beverly Hills, you know. <laughs> I don't want to call it. But if there's a good meal somewhere, Lord, you know what I mean? Like, but that's who we are, right? That's who we are. That's, I'd love to talk about what does it mean to be a compulsive reader. That's the disease concept, right? It isn't like, oh, I'm fat. No, you're fat because you're a compulsive overeater. Oh, they hurt my feelings. Yeah, you're a compulsive overeater. I love sponsors who call me going, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, they're trying to figure out why. Like, I just go like, because you're a compulsive overeater. That's why. That's why you, you ate peanut butter when you didn't want to eat peanut butter. That's why your boss isn't treating you right, because it doesn't feel right, but your boss is not appreciating you. Because you're a compulsive overeater. Now that we got that out of the way, now work a 12-step program and go like, oh, I'm going to change, I'm going to change my attitude. Now. I, I, I'm going to look for the good in life. So what is my higher power? I probably should mention that before I'm done. Peace, love, hope, kindness, patience. Because you've got to have hope, you've got to have patience. Tolerance. And laughter. That's my higher power. You can borrow it. You can use it. Peace, love, hope, patience, kindness, acceptance, laughter. Live your life based upon those principles. That would be turn your will and your life over care of a third of a higher power. That's tangible. So that you when you do when you live your life today, be loving. Act like it's you've got hope. Oh, but be patient. Have acceptance. Try kindness. Live in a peaceful way. Go and laugh. That is an amazing, amazing higher power. Don't worry about some deity. Don't worry about whatever, you know, what's the meaning of the... What's the songs of the universe? What does that all mean? You know, when is the when are we going? Our sons can go to supernova, and when is this? Today, I, the other day, I found out that the Milky Way galaxy is no longer creating new stars, and our our galaxy is going to burn out. Oh wow! You know, life is full of chaos, right? No matter what happened, life is going to be chaotic. This is the thing that compulsory reader thinks. They're going to get someplace where there's going to be this, this quiet. Where it's just going to be quiet. Like, and the world will go away. And I'm going to be here all by myself. And it's going to be just wonderful. And I'm going to rest. Because life is too hard. And it's too difficult. And it's just, I'm sensitive. So we try to get to that spot. That's where we try to go to. So, uh, for me, it was just some knight in shining armor was going to come and rescue me, right? And whisk me away to some magic land where I'm going to be like a prince, you know. Like, there's my prince. And sit there and go like, 
Yeah, I'm going to wait a hand and foot and the whole world's going to go the way I want. Ain't going to happen. War is going to be chaos. Can I, I'll guarantee you that. You're going to encounter chaos. You're going to encounter ups and downs. You're going to encounter some bad stuff. You know, I like to say the, the sign of someone's spirituality is not what happens to them, but it's how they handle it. So now that you know that life is going to come at you and it's going to be chaotic, what are you going to do about it so you don't go binging? Because as compulsive readers, when life becomes chaotic, we want to binge. And sometimes we'll create that chaos. So we can have an excuse to binge. Not that you're ever like me. Maybe you're not as sick as me. But the good news is, 39 years, friggin' amazing. But the most amazing thing about, about having long-term absence is the brain goes quiet. There's not a much. There's not a lot of angst. Anxiousness, no, not much. Now I'm in high for tax season. I'm a, I'm in the accounting service, so that's kind of crazy time for me right now. Stress with work, lots of work, lots of work, and I have to do like okay, just one thing at a time. Just pick up one, do answer one email at a time. Because I could get wrapped up and like, oh my god, I got this much new, and oh my god, it's January, and I got this, oh, like, oh my god, now it's February, like, oh, like, and I got to do one thing at a time. That's what you folks taught me. You've taught me so much. Now, if you just stick around, and as I like to say, take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth and listen. Because if you're new. We don't need to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Personally, I don't care. Because what we have to say is we'll help you. Go find someone you might want to sh- you can share it with on a one-to-one basis. But anyway, thanks for letting me share.